uh, biblical view of work and rest. And I think this topic is important for all of us. Uh, if you're young, uh, I think something to think about is think beyond school years, okay? Uh, think about uh, uh, beyond school years. Um, just that you're not just going to school just for going to school. You're hopefully to learn and to worship God, to see His glory. But part of it also as well is preparation for what? For all of life, including the ability to, to work with a skill. So this is something I think you, we do want to think about. If you are working, I think this is to see the issue biblically. So our lives uh, would, because uh, it's important, because uh, that consumes such a big part of our life, that sometimes we need to take a step back and say, am I thinking about work uh, uh, biblically also as well, and, and rest also as well. I think the way I see it is almost like if you have like a chainsaw, you're using it, you're using it a lot, but sometimes you need to stop and, and inspect the chains to make sure, hey, is everything aligned? Is everything good to go? Is everything sharp? Okay, so this is also time and an hour to even say, for those that are working adults, to say, yeah, not just say, oh, I know, I already have this down, but also say, hey, am I aligning myself with a biblical view of work and of rest also as well, okay? And even for those that are full-time moms, you might say, okay, this message is not relevant to me. I actually would say it is relevant also as well. Uh, I think my wife works very hard. She, you know, we're single income in the sense of, Monetarily speaking, it's myself working, but I think my wife works very hard. Uh, I come home, everything is all clean. She's like, "Whoa!" You know, I remember one time dropping food a few weeks ago, and I picked it up and they said five minutes rule as a joke, right? And she said, "Actually, uh, I just clean it, so it'll be okay." I was like, "Oh, wow, okay." Uh, so that's the sense uh, I think uh, uh, with that. There's also to think even with motherhood, it is a calling. It is a calling, and it's an important job also as well. And also thinking, how am I working? How am I doing this biblically also as well, okay? Uh, so this message is relevant for all, okay? Relevant for how many people? Oh. For all of us, okay? So I want to look at a biblical view of work and also a biblical view of rest, okay? A biblical view of work and a biblical view of rest is what we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to have three points. How many points? Three. Three points, okay? This is the three points, okay? Uh, we're going to look at three points so that we would have a biblical view of work and rest, and the biblical view, these are the three views, is number one, number one, why should you work? If you're taking notes, number one is why should you work? We want to have a biblical view of work, okay? So why should you work? You know, there's many motives. I think the priority of which one is also important, okay? Uh, but point number one is why should you work? So point number one is what? Why should you work? Okay, good. And if you're taking notes, point number two is the following. How do you worship God as you work, okay? Point number two is, how do you worship God as you work? How do you worship God as you work? How do you worship God as you work? And point number three, why should you rest, okay? Why should you rest? Why should you rest? I think these three points are very important. Uh, we want to balance all three points. We're not only just going to be talking about work, we also want to talk about biblical view of rest also as well, okay? Uh, because if we don't have a biblical view of rest, uh, then that very likely means we could sometimes easily have an unbiblical view of work also as well, okay? Uh, so vice versa, if you don't have an unbiblical view of work, sometimes that will also impact an unbiblical view of what? Rest. An example I think uh, I'll give is the example of an alcoholic, uh, not an alcoholic, uh, a workaholic, right? Okay? Workaholic, he might say, oh, I have a biblical view of work. And it's kind of hard to critique, oh, well, he does his work well and everything else. But then you see he has an unbiblical view of work from where? His unbiblical view of 
rest. Does that make sense? Uh, he's doing it for his own pride, for instance, or whatever else thing, you know, or his escape, the problem is life. He doesn't want to have any downtime, that kind of thing. Uh, he doesn't know what to do with his time, okay, that kind of thing. Uh, he's not uh, being attending to his family, uh, to his kids, that, that kind of thing, okay. So these are the three questions we're going to be asking, and we want to look at ultimately where? The scripture, okay, a, a biblical view. So with these three questions, we'll be looking at different parts of scripture, but let's look at point number one first. Let's look at point number one first. Um, why should you work, okay? Why should you work, okay? So point number one is why should you work? We're going to be looking at this point, and each one there's also sub-points of why should you work, okay? Why should you work? By the way, I think this point is important. Let me speak to those that are young, younger, okay? I want to address something with also our culture. Uh, I'm talking about those that are in school still. Uh, I'm, I want to talk a little bit about Asian subculture, or specifically, maybe, if, not, not because of all that, because, uh, you know, here, I think sometimes we also need to think about a biblical view of work, okay? Some of us, and myself will probably be included, uh, when we were, uh, and I, I see this also, if I could just say sometimes, even outside of different ethnicity groups, uh, we might have a different view. For instance, when some of us are younger, if we were 16 years old, and you went up to your mom and dad to say, I want to work, what would your parents say? For some of you guys with an Asian background, what would your parents say? No, because why? I hear study. What else? Very likely they would not, right? They would not, okay? Uh, encourage that, okay? Uh, other ethnic group, not necessarily that's the case, right? Not necessarily that's the case. I remember growing up, some of you guys remember my friend Ricky, 16 years old already. His parents are all going to put them, hey, you got to work with your hand. What are you going to be, a college boy, right? Uh, so that, there's a difference of that, okay? But at the same time, we need to see point number one. Why should you work? Is we actually see it must be a biblical thing, okay? We must see this as a biblical thing, okay? That even for those that are young, don't think, oh, okay, that's your rest of your life. But I think there's something to be gained when you work young, early on, okay? Uh, I think it cures a lot of uh, self-entitlement, okay? Because now you have to see someone else's face, so to speak, okay? The boss could care less about certain things, whether or not you could perform, that kind of thing, okay? So, but at the same time, we could have unbiblical views, so we want to say, why should we work? Why should we work? We're going to see three different uh, sub-points, okay? Point number one is this. Work is God's ordained way of making a living. Point number one is this. Uh, under point, uh, the first point is we're going to see the, why should you work? One of three reasons is work is God's ordained way of making a living, okay? It's God's ordained way of making a living. If you guys could turn with me to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, okay? Uh, 2 Thessalonians is in the New Testament. I don't think it's helpful if I say it's next to 1 Thessalonians, right? Uh, 2 Thessalonians, uh, turn with me to chapter 2, uh, verses 8. We're also going to be looking at verses 9 and 10. So we're going to be reading all three of these verses. Uh, chapter 2, chapter 2. Phil, I think it's good, uh, if possible, sometimes even to have paper just to jot it down. So at least you kind of have a reference in it because, oh, what is that, okay? Second Thessalonians 2. Uh, yes, it is uh, right before 1 Timothy, okay? Uh, so Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Verses 8 to 10. Oh, uh, oh, you want to read out loud? Okay, read out loud, big boy voice though. Loud enough that sermon audio could hear you from my phone here, okay? Then that loudest one will be revealed whom the Lord 
Oh, well, actually, uh, 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 my mistake. Uh, chapter 3, verses 8. Chapter 3, okay? Verses um, 8 to 10. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of Not because we do not have the way to be saved, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you and who would follow our example. Okay. Well, by way of context, this is the Apostle Paul in verses 8. He's telling us his action. He's a missionary. He's a missionary in a specific area called Thessalonike well, would be the Greek. You, you know the word Nike, like victory, okay? So this is a, a northern Greek city, okay? Uh, and he went there to evangelize. He preached only for three weeks. Then he got kicked out, you know, persecution, all of that. But in those three weeks, what? A church formed. He's reviewing what his action was with them. When he's saying that he and his missionary team, which would include Savannah or Silas, when they ate, when they were eating, they didn't eat it without paying for it. In other words, they weren't saying, "Hey, I'm going to preach you." It's not a religious gimmick program, okay? It's like, "Give me money because I already give you good news, anyways." Okay? Uh, don't be like the seminary student that like goes to seminary and never gives an offering. And then we, the pastor asks, why didn't you give offers? Oh, I already gave myself to God to service, okay? <laughs> so you don't want to be that way, okay? So in the same way, he didn't, Paul was not like this to say, oh, you know what? Uh, I come and say, oh, I'm already blessing you, therefore. Notice what he says. He is uh, not eating anyone's bread without laboring, without paying for it. And notice when does he work? If he's going to do ministry full time and yet he can't be uh, wor- uh, um, getting a free, free handout... He worked night and what? Day. So he'd not be bur- a burden to any of you, okay? This is where biblical giving comes in to support a missionary so that these guys won't burn out. There's also as well, so they focus on that, is other churches that are believers support that. So you don't ask non-believers to give. So then they'll think, oh, it's a, a money scheme of some sort. By the way, in saying all this, there's an important application. Look with me in verses 9. Look with me in verses 9. He drives a point home that this is an uh, example for all of us, for the church in Thessalonica, and also for us to follow. Look with me again in verses 9. It says this, Not because we do not have the right to this. So he's saying, okay, it is true. The church should support him. But notice he goes on and say, But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, okay? So that you would follow our what? Example, okay? Notice he emphasized that what Paul, he's saying about himself, he's doing this with his missionary team as an example. He states this not just once, but twice. Did you catch the first part where it says, in order to offer uh, ourselves as what? Models, okay? As models. Then it goes on, just so that you know for sure what he's saying, he says again what the result is, you follow our what? Example, okay? This is an example for us to work hard, Okay? Then look with me now in verses 10. Verses 10 gives the principle stated. The principle stated in verses 10. In crystallized form, he says this, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Okay? So there's an importance of work. And then look at verses 10. The principle stated very clearly that why should you work? Reason number one is this. Work is actually God's ordained way of making what? A living. Okay? Work is God's ordained way for us to make a living, okay? As application, young people, do you realize your parents will not be around forever, okay? For those that are younger, high school, uh, college, your parents will not be around forever. And think about the reality that it is life, you will have to make a living, okay? You will have to make a living. 
Uh, I actually think the biblical view is eventually you'll probably have to help your parents out in some way or another, okay? Uh, so that changed the way even viewing of life, of the extra money you have, rather than see it as disposable income. Uh, it's an opportunity to start saving early now uh, for the love of church and family, okay? Consider even when you're studying in school so that you can provide for yourself, okay? Uh, I know before, the other pastors before me, I think, would be into people's business, more of people's majors. Uh, have I been into people's majors as much? No, no right? You guys remember, you guys, some of you guys remember any of old pastors before asking us about major, what do you guys major in, right? Uh, so if you were major gender studies, certain pastors in the past would say what? Uh, I was like, oh, maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing, okay? So, but at the same time, uh, I do believe there is uh, liberty, but at the same time, I think it's wise think about what we're majoring in, mm-hmm. in the sense uh, of if it's able to help for the future, okay? And then the most important thing with education, actually learn the skill set of thinking critically, okay? No matter what your major is, hopefully you learn in life to be able to critique things critically, okay? Uh, not just go by propaganda and mantras, okay? So, uh, so think about this, even when you're studying, for those that are younger, okay? That whatever you're studying is that your goal also as well to eventually be able to have an occupation to be able to work to make a living, okay? And for all of us, I think this is a reminder. Uh, we're reminded because when, for those that, of us that are working with responsibilities, but once we make a paycheck, we realize, oh, wow, so quick, we have to pay that time of the month again. It's like, yay, I got my check, and then boom, oh yeah. There's the, what? There's the rent, there's a mortgage, there is insurance, there is fill in the blank, all of it, you know, cell phone, card, all of that, okay? The whole gamut, okay? But it's a reminder again that, hey, rather than seeing, this, oh man, all of this thing is taking my money away, but it's saying, no, this is God ordaining you to work, and is actually His means, so that your bills could be positive. This is a more positive, and I think a biblical way, rather than say, oh man, I have all this money, and everything's just taken away, which is true, in some extent, but seeing, that, hey, this is the grace of God, that you're able to make a, uh, uh, some money, to be able to make a living, okay? It is the grace of God, okay? Second point is we are created to work, okay? We are created to work. <coughs> work could be very difficult, yes? Work could be very difficult, okay? Uh, work could be very difficult. Some of us could say, oh man, I, my ideal job is X, Y, or Z, okay? Sometimes you might say the ideal job is ministry. But then you discover with ministry... That people are sinners what? Everywhere. Including yourself. Including myself as a minister, okay? Uh, and also people's lives are sinful and messy, okay? But at the same time, as much as work, when we think about work, sometimes we could see, you know, I, I made a joke earlier, uh, you know, just about the Mondays, right? Uh, just we could think of work as a bad thing, okay? Even when we think of work, we could think about certain difficult boss, difficult co-worker. Or maybe we think about the most difficult situation we've had at work, maybe a few years ago, or maybe it's something that's ongoing right now. But I want to also say, don't think of work as in of itself a bad thing. We need to see point number two is that we are actually created by God to work, okay? Work is not the result of sin. Work is not a result of the fall, okay? Work is not the result of the fall. I think sometimes we picture Garden of Eden was a 24-7 vacation, okay? But a more biblical view is that there was actually work before the fall, before any sin. Sin itself is not the curse, okay? It's not the result of sin. Rather, we see work is something that God has ordained even before there was sin. Even in a perfect world, we were already created to do work, okay? By the way, this has huge implication 
of seeing the way we view work, okay? With every production of things that we do, okay? Turn with me real quick to Genesis 1, verse 28 to 30, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 30. Genesis 1 is easy to find because why? It's the first part of the Bible, right? Thank you, Phil. Very good. Uh, we're not going to come back to 2nd Thessalonians, don't worry, okay? Uh, we're going to be today's topical looking at different passage, okay? Verses 28 to 30 says this, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It will be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given green plant for food. And it was so. And again, this purpose of passage is to call attention that this was before the fall of man. This was before sin. This is actually the sixth day of the world being created by God. On day six, which that day God says it was very good, notice what God's word is for man. First part is He blesses them. He blesses man. So whatever this here is saying is not God's punishing us. That it is actually a good thing for us. That it was intended for good. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. That is what? Control and basically, not control in a bad way, but to control to form it for what? For good, okay? By the way, we're supposed to take care of what else? Humanity? Original purpose, design purpose is to take care of the world, including taking care of what? Animals, okay? Is taking care of animals work? Okay? Even if you have pets, talk to me now, right? Do pets require some work? What kind of work is required? Gotta clean up after it, okay? Uh, right? Every little kid wants a... Uh, a little puppy, a little whatever hamster, until they see the work that requires it. Ew, the poop is terrible, whatever else. But that's part of what? Right. Taking care of, okay? Okay, so you see that is work, okay? And taking care of that. Notice also as well, this also involves agriculture, verses 29. God has given plant for humanity, okay? And it shall be food, okay? You think about planting. You think about gathering. Is that work? Yes, okay, it is, a, it is quite a lot of work, okay? Uh, we, we're in the book of Ruth right now, right? We're hitting a pause for today. But remember the book of Ruth. To collect 50, for, for Ruth collecting 50 pounds of grain, is that going to be work? Yeah. Okay, even if other help her out to uh, secretly assist her, even then, 50 pounds for probably, I don't know, a woman that's about 100 pounds maybe back then, uh, that is a lot of work to carry it back and forth, okay? Uh, to carry that, to gather all these small little grain, okay? So that's work, okay? That is work. Even if you say, yeah, God waters everything, to gather all those food requires work, okay? Uh, requires work. And then, by the way, people are supposed to be moving and populate the earth. And whenever you move somewhere, you need to build a what? Shelter or a house. Buying a house or building a house takes a lot of what? Work, okay? Uh, with that, okay? So notice here, work is, we're created to do work. This is before sin. And by the way, after the sin, does that mean we're no longer called to our responsibility of work? Turn with me to Genesis 3, verse 17 and 19. And of course, Ms. Byrne answered right, and all our answers, no, we're still called to work. We're designed to work. 
Okay, we're still designed to work. This is after the fall, after man has sinned. Verses 17 and 19 says, Then Adam said, Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall be it shall grow for you. And you eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, from for you are dust, and dust to dust you shall return. Some observations first and foremost. Notice food is mentioned here. What specific food is mentioned verses nineteen? What specific food is mentioned in verses nineteen? Bread, okay? One of the things I find incredible looking at this word bread is bread doesn't grow on trees, right? Bread is processed, some extent processed. Uh, I don't mean in the sense of organic versus processed, but in the sense that it takes what? Human labor to convert one form of the fruit originally, which is grain, into what? Bread. And this was mentioned early on. Because sometimes we could picture Adam and Eve, oh, the garden was so easy. The work was just to pick an apple, ah, shining, right, and then eating it, right? But this is more. This is like saying, hey, taking this and forming into different things. You want to make a pie? You want to make a bread, right? That's the idea, okay? So all of this takes what? Work. So this passage affirmed that mankind will still do work, even if they were to eat. But notice, now the work is what? It's different than in the Eden. Now it's with frustration, yes? There'll be thorns and thistles, whereas planting was like, there was no need for weeding. Though it was still hard, it was satisfactory. Now it is frustrating to some extent. And then it says in verses 19, this is not talking about good kind of sweat. This is the aspect of, man, this is so difficult, okay? You're going to be sweating for even working what, what? With bread, okay? Uh, I identify with this because when I look at my wife baking, I say, okay, I'm out of this kitchen because it's, <laughs> it's making me sweat, okay? Uh, so here we see the difficulty, yes, of work. But nevertheless, we see, uh, we see very clearly we're designed to work still, okay? Though work is frustrating because of sin, we are designed for what? For work, okay? Say this after me. Everyone say this after me. We are designed for work in our DNA, okay? That is part of your identity, okay? That is part of your identity. You are designed work, okay? Even more so if you are a Christian. Even more so if you say you believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible says if you're uh, in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. You are regenerate. That is, God give you a new heart and a, a new nature that is able to do good will, right? To do godly things with the right kind of motives. Not perfectly, but God changes your nature, okay? So that you freely, with your desire, according to your nature, now does these good works, okay? Turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2. We know this passage, 8 and 9. We love this. We love it for evangelism. It's the gospel truth that saves us. But if you turn with me to Ephesians 2, 8, we're going to read up to verse 10. Because often we only read verse 8 and 9, okay? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. When we turn over there, could I have a happy motivated reader? Read me Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Okay, thank you so much. This verse is gospel truth. We're saved by grace. Amen? Yes. Okay. Are we saved by doing our good works? 
As in the sense of like, we do good works and then God looks at it and says, oh, because of this, you have this checklist, therefore you go. No, because what? No. We don't do good works in of ourselves, okay? Mm-hmm. By the way, God's standard for works is what? Perfection, okay? Just like a judge. You can't go to a judge and say, officer or, or, or judge, you know what? I ran a red light. Yes, I did. But you know what? Look at all the other times I didn't run a red light. Well, the reason why you're there in court is because you've broken the law. We're already called to do good, okay? So we're not saved by our own works. But does that mean... Good works doesn't matter. No, look at verses 10. After we're saved by grace, verses 10 draws implication. Why did God save us in the first place? Is this. For we are His workmanship. Say workmanship. Workmanship. Okay. We're created in Jesus Christ for good works. Say good works. Good works. Okay. And God prepared this beforehand. Okay. So we will walk in them. Okay. This is a book in Ephesians. Where earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about God before time, before creation, predestining, working things out, okay? So you cannot be a hyper-Calvinist, okay? Hyper-Calvinism is not biblical. Hyper-Calvinism is, yeah, God picks everyone, but nothing matters. We have no responsibility. We just sit there. Oh, if I'm not ungodly, well, Jimmy, it's up to God, isn't it? It's not up to you. Yeah, it's not up to me, but it's up to God to tell me to rebuke you, to say you got to repent or else, okay? But here in verses 10, it shows that what? Uh, It's very clear we would walk in them, okay? You were designed, this is, in other words, shows that your DNA, you're designed to do good works, okay? And when you go against your own nature as a Christian, right, your nature will be changed. Uh, I think about before I was saved, uh, cussing came very easily to me, okay? Cussing was very normal. Uh, I remember for Idea Magazine, uh, or when I was in high school, uh, I submitted all these poems. I thought I was a rapper back then. Named Slim Jim or whatever else. So, I mean, all these poems, and then the schools, all that, the editors, the other kids were like, oh, that was pretty cool, but could you change your title? Okay? Because it was, oh, wow, I guess I, it just comes out there. But as soon as it got saved, what? It became like, ah, oh, that feels weird, okay? Now, I realize, let me say this real quick. Some of us have different things. God puts different struggles, okay? Some of us could drop that like that, and some of us, like, oh, for the rest of our life, we'll struggle not to say bad words, and God allows that so you could trust in who? Rely on the Lord. Does that make sense? So that He works through you. Though He predestined, though He's working in His sovereign grace, yes. But He also wanted through your will. You do have a will to actually desire to live out what God has called you before time. Okay? So here you see that you are designed to do good works, okay? And every time, uh, every time we don't do good works, we're actually going against what we're designed for. We're going against what our nature is, okay? Uh, so as application, if you know you're designed for work, then our goal in life is not just to make a lot of money and therefore never work again, okay? Uh, I saw an advertisement on Facebook. I don't know why it popped up. It was basically one of those, you know, those, uh, you go to those financial guys and someone raised a hand and asked this guy, like I guess he's some market guru or whatever, said, uh, how am I able to, during the Q&A, he's just, how am I able to uh, make money, passive income? Where I could just don't do anything, but just sit in the beaches of Mexico and just enjoy sipping some nice wine, okay? And then the guy really got offended, uh, okay? The, the guy that's answering the question and say, hey, that's not what you're called to be. You're not called to, to do that, to do nothing, okay? At an early age, okay? Uh, listen to me. Uh, listen real quick. The way, the, it is good to make money. Of course, you don't want to have the greed. But the goal is not so you don't do anything, okay? The goal is actually so that you could be able to do more things, okay? If you ever one day, you have a windfall, the goal of God giving this is not so that you don't do anything at all in your life. 
But listen, God has made your DNA, has wired you to do work, okay? But now it's given you so that you be able to do what? Do more, okay? So that you be able to say, oh, you know, I could give more. Or also, by the way, I don't have to do this job right here in this specific way, but now I could do my job in a different way, right? To be able to be uh, uh, developing more business, to be able to develop more jobs for others, yes? So do you see how there's a difference idea of, now, that might have more luxury, that's not a bad thing. That's a good view of rest. But at the same time, you're not here to make money so you don't do anything. Does that make sense? Okay? I want to say this because this is a very poisonous seed in our generation. Right? And, and why do you see all those, you ever see those YouTube commercials? Have you ever seen the one where I think his name is Ty something? Where he's like, it was like they, he said it was like the most marketed guy, right? He always, hey guys, look at my car. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Anyone here? Yeah. You know, he's like, look at my... Welcome to my garage. Yeah, welcome to my garage. Yeah. Yeah, he has a Lamborghini and he has all these books and he said he reads like a book a day. And I guess it's really suspicious when someone has books in their garage and they say read a book a day. It's a scam, right? Well, you know, he gives advice. I mean, it's good advice, but he gets it from everyone else's, everything he could get for free. There's nothing new, okay? But he shows, and then, you know, I saw a video fine because I finally was like, I was just so fed up. This guy's popping all my ads, right? I'm looking at a Christian video of Paul Washer and here's this thing that, you know, Paul Washer's about getting sacrificial and here's this guy's like, hey, I'm Ty Lung, look at my car, look at my Lamborghini, look at my house. And so I finally thought, you know what? I'm going to use the same tool of YouTube and look it up and then realize you know what was that his house no was that his Lamborghini no okay you see all those money in the house they finally asked the guy that he, there's one episode he's with he, his friend over there and they, they asked the guy is that really his money he says no it was all fake money because Ty Lung told me why would I have all these fake what, real money if someone's gonna rob me right okay <laughs> so all of it is it real no so but then why do people give money is he rich he is very rich from what from every sucker that says what I don't ever want to work. And then you work all this hard money to give a guy, say, how can I have passive income where I don't have to do anything? Okay? The only ones <laughs> making money here is... Uh, now, there, let me say this. Let me say this. Okay? I don't want to get sued. Uh, okay? <laughs> there are some people that are successful because... Uh, why? Uh, this is a real large number, right? Uh, investment, everything else. Okay? But most aren't. Because in some, and sometimes the biggest problem is you can't just say, oh, Tai Lung is... It's because it's people's nature. They misunderstand the idea of work. Now, if you want to be successful so that you could advance the cause of Christ more, that's a very different motivation. Does that make sense? Versus someone say, I want to be at, by the time of age 30, you know, I want to be able to, I want to be able to sit and someone fan me with a fan and another person feed me great and another person holds an umbrella and shifts with the wind, okay? And then if I all of a sudden need to go somewhere, I'll be like P. Diddy and wave somebody and then have a guy carry me, okay, on his back. That's not, that's crazy. That's unbiblical, okay? But here I want to say you're designed to work, okay? By the way, some people buy lottery tickets. True or not? Yes. Okay. Oh, no. Don't go there. We're going there, okay? <laughs> Some people buy lottery because of why? They have this dream. One day, when I have a lot of money, I'm going to delete my Facebook account. I don't need no Instagram anymore to, to you know, or passive income or whatever else. And I'm going to be just what? I'm just going to never work again. By the way, yes, realize the t- statistics. How many of those people win the lotto? Lose it. <laughs> and not only lose it, they lose more. They lose their family. They lose their relatives. They lose their friends because they can't trust them. Right? I'm in the doctor, Jimmy. Yeah. One that big lot and the next day he died. Yeah. There's that guy also as well, okay? Boom. Just next day die, okay? How about those that lose everything? And by the way, money makes people funny, okay? Everybody, you know, the guy that you know from fifth grade is suddenly say, man, how come I help you out? You know? but, but that's the reality. Uh, if you make a million, that's going to be me too. I'm just saying this is our sinful nature, right? But how much money do we have, right? How much money, even with lotto, is limited. You're going to be taxed. Uncle Sam makes the most from you, okay? 
from this. That's the reality, okay? The one that benefits the most is who? IRS, okay? But do the teachers benefit the education? There's very few a percentage. Every year it's less and less, right? Even though it's, oh, I'll do this for the cause of California to get, you know, the reality is less, okay? But I bring us to say, by the way, those that actually are successful, that actually mentally are okay, you know, those people that want a lot of that are actually end up being okay. You know what, what's the common strand of all of them? Probably Christians, right? And also they work. They continue to work. You know, the temptation of having so much money is to do no more work, right? No longer investment, no longer helping others, no longer even to do more productivity. Is you just sit there. And what happens when you sit there? Can I say this? I'll be honest. You know, when I work security, there, I always do my homework, okay? That's why I like my work. On a bad day, I read 300 pages, okay, on a 16-hour shift, okay, uh, of homework, okay? That's a bad day. That's when, like, everything is busy, you know, and then later on at night, it's not, Okay. But there was one, a few times where I forgot to bring my work or there was a break. And I thought, you know, today I'm not going to bring, you know, I studied all this and I don't do anything. And suddenly I started thinking about everything from fifth grade, fourth grade. <laughs> and Ron was like, why am I, wow, I'm a sinner. Now I'm also going to have a warped view of myself and others, right? Everything. And I'm, I'm not, but I'm saying this, it's not to downplay this, okay? I want to say this because uh, I could see a little bit how much damaging it is if we don't do anything, Okay. And by the way, guard work is not, is not that, it's just, I'm saying with my shift, that sometimes graveyard, there's not a lot. But at the same time, it is work, okay? It is work when things go down, it is crazy. It is legitimate line of work. I'm not saying that, okay? Don't, please don't go around and say that. It is legit. But what I'm trying to say is this, when I'm no longer my guard, when I'm just, hey, I'm going to come here and just do nothing. And even just slack off with my responsibility. Guess what happened? That's a bad thing, okay? So please don't have wrong view. What I'm trying to say is this, when I don't do anything, I don't get anything done. And it's not I don't get anything. It's not the net zero, zero. It's worse. I start going to really bad mental state, okay, uh, with that. Then all of a sudden when I work, it's like, oh, I'm even more lethargic, okay? Reading is harder. Everything else. Because God has wired us to do work, okay? God has wired us to do work. So this is why we work. Let's go on to uh, point, oh man, point number three. Work is God's ordained way for us to help people, okay? Ephesians 4.28. He who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor, performing with his own hand what is good. So he has something to share with the one who has need. Okay? Uh, one who has need. So here it says that, hey, if you've been taking before, whether legitimately or illegitimately, the best thing to do is what? To work to share with those who need. Okay? To work to share with those who has needs. I'll use the example of my sister Jeannie. Some of you guys know her when she was a student at uh, Pasadena City College. She took a job. If you guys remember, at 31 Baskin what? Robbins. Is it because she wanted to taste 31 flavors? No, okay? <laughs> That's not the reason why. Uh, the reason why was because back then, uh, she, leading the Christian club, she really wanted to reach out for the pro-life cause. And there was an organization she partnered with and realized, well, that's a lot of money to have all these people come out. So she decided, you know, I'm going to work. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. You know, pay for money, uh, save, help for college. I was like, no, I want to work to support this thing. I was like, whoa, okay. And she did. And she worked very hard. And of course, you know, like serving people, is it easy? No, right? Service industry is never easy, okay? Uh, this is why as a Christian, ours, whenever I go anywhere, there's always tip a little more, okay? I go to dim something, and think about all these people working, like, man, all these labors for just a few cents, and I'll give a little more. Amen. Especially when you're sitting there talking about grace. Oh, God has shown me so much grace. Isn't he so awesome? And then also, oh, you know, here, five cents. 
You know, it just makes no sense, okay? So here, we do this, okay? Uh, we work. It's God's ordained way of helping people. Actually, for me, that makes everything that I do joyful, okay? Uh, even with hard, it's difficult, certain jobs, right? You see other people's face more. It's like, oh, man, this is difficult. Oh, well, at least there's money coming in. Praise the Lord, He's providing. But at least this is, this is the beauty of money, okay? Uh, love of money is bad, but money is a powerful, good thing. You guys realize this? You could do something like, I can never go to Africa to build a well. Because why? That's not who I am. I don't know anything how to build a well, okay? And plus, some of us feel like, oh, you know, the Sahara Desert, it's kind of hard. Uh, I don't have, I'm busy with life. And even when I go there, I don't know, I can't. But you know what? You can still help. How? Your work here in San Gabriel Valley could help someone where? Even in Timbuktu, Africa. By making a well, okay? Or when I look in the news, like, oh, wow, there's Christian persecution in Russia. Boy, I'm so glad the ACLJ, uh, they have Russian Christian lawyers that are now, what, defending these Christians' right for churches. So, wow, I cannot go over there. If I go over there, I don't speak no Russian, right? Uh, I'm useless, right? The only Russian I know is placebo. That, that's it, right? So I'm useless. What, what am I going to do, okay? What am I going to do? Nothing. Or am I going to not do anything? Or I could say, wow, whatever I make now, I could donate. To this. Do you see how beautiful this is? Okay, so work is God's ordained way to help people. Okay, be like the Godfather. Be like the Godfather. When someone comes in, you know that conversation in the beginning. Instead of saying, "Okay, you know, you know, you don't want to be like power, controlling evil way," but be the ones that will help you out, right? And you could, without you know, a non-cigarette cigar or a pen, say, "You know what? We could help you out today. What can we be? You know, what do you need help with? Help for the cause of Christ. Okay, be a vital for Jesus Christ. Okay, in that way. Okay." So let's now go to point number two. Point number two. How do you worship God as you work? How do you worship God as you work? Oh, man, I'm getting too fired up. Uh, the last time I preached this was in another church. I only preached two points. And today, uh, this weekend, I decided to add a third. So let's go point number two. How do you worship God in your work? So we know we could work, but we should worship God. But how do you do this? So what I'm going to give is a whole bunch of know that, so that statement, okay? How do you worship God in your work? Point number one. Know that God comes first. So don't put work above God, okay? We should work hard, but at the same time, what is the priority? Putting God first, okay? Turn with me to Matthew 6.24. Matthew 6.24, when we turn there, could I have a happy, motivated reader? Read me Matthew 6.24. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one yeah, thank you so much. Here makes it clear. You could only have one what? Master. Okay? One you love and the other you hate. Okay? When you are realizing in your life, oh, you know, I'd rather work extra hours and I'm more joyful and content with that. Where's the idea with reading the scriptures, the personal devotional life, or being with God's people or serving the church, etc.? Then you could tell who your master is. By the way, the best way to see who your master is, is when you're resting, what do you daydream about? What do you picture? What gives you satisfaction just thinking about it? And by the way, is it reality? Is it a mirage that it won't satisfy? Or is it reality that it will satisfy? And the one that truly satisfies God, okay? Money is a good servant. Money is a good tool. I think I mentioned earlier when you're going to be a don for Jesus Christ, right? It is a great tool, but it makes a poor master, okay? It makes a poor master, so, in light of this, you must put God first. And that means sometimes saying, oh, you know what? 
that's great, but man, I need to put Christ first. That might mean if there's a choice of two different jobs, you pick one that might sometimes be a little less, but allows you to do the things of God more, okay? Including spending time with Him, okay? That means, for instance, even with Sunday schedule, if possible, when the Lord has opportunity to give us two options, we will pick the one that will be able to, so we could be able to be with the Lord or His people, okay? Uh, number two, know that any effort without the Lord is in vain. So don't forsake the Lord of chasing success. Turn with me to Psalm 127, verse 2. Psalm 127, verse 2. Psalm 127, verse 2. Psalm 127, verses 1 to 2. This is what God's Word uh, says, okay? This is what God's Word. In Psalm 127, verse 1 to 2 says this. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman keeps awake at night. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives his beloved even in his sleep. Okay? Sometimes we could say, like, oh, we got to work, but then we're willing to say, ah, oh, you know what? We could forsake him or his ways. Okay? Uh, forsake him or his ways. And, brothers and sisters, that's not the way it is. I think, they, uh, um, I think sometimes there's the temptation. I know sometimes uh, there's no one here, but I do want to talk about, I think there is a reality that there's been times I've seen with some people where they come to church, we see them, and usually we see them is when they're, what, unemployed, or they really are praying for jobs interview they have and say, oh, could God bless me with that? Could we have everyone pray, right? And then once they get the job, we never, what, see them again, right? They would come and say, oh, you know what, Pastor Jimmy, I would like to have you be my letter of referral. Then we write that and we never see them again. Right? Has that happened? Yeah, it has yeah. happened. You know what that's like? This is what 127 says. You forsake the Lord. Right? You're willing to have the blessing from God, but then you forsake Him as soon as you have. You know what that's like? That's almost like you're trying to climb up a ladder. But as soon as you're halfway there, you're going to, oh, I don't need this ladder anymore. You throw it away and you fall down yourself with it. Okay? This is what it's like. Right? To forsake the Lord. So do not forsake the Lord if we're doing this for Him, okay? Uh, for the sake of time, let's go on now to rest, okay? In the short time we have, I do want to talk about rest too. Uh, we are not only called to work, we're called to what? Rest, okay? By the way, if you work, 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 day and night with no rest, is that biblical? No. no. Sometimes what's driving us is the idol of like self-sufficiency. We can do it all, Okay? I know of only one creature that does not sleep. I don't know how many, there might be others. But I found out when I was homeschooling my daughter. You know what one creature, what one insect, kind of insect does not sleep at all? Is ants. A working ants. A working, uh, I'm not talking about the queen, I don't know about the queen. But like the working queen. I mean not the working, the working one. You know the little one you see going out, getting food and all those things. They don't sleep. Apparently they don't sleep. So if you ever had an ant farm, you look, they're like, oh, all day, all night you shine light. They're working. Wow, okay. But how long is their lifespan? Three months. Three months, okay. Uh, three months. Of course, the queen has to have a whole bunch of them, okay, in order to, to do this, okay. But do you want to be? Now, the Bible does say, hey, you still got to look at the ants, right? You got to work, okay. You got to work. But at the same time, look at the ant and also realize, hey, uh, also as well, okay. So we need to have balance out with a biblical view of rest. So there's three biblical reasons to rest. Number one, God says it. Exodus 23, verse 12. Exodus 23, verse 12. God says, Six days you are to work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave, as well as your stranger, may refresh themselves. 
Notice here, Israel is called to rest on the what? Seventh day, which is Saturday, okay? Uh, Sunday is actually the first day of the week, okay? Notice this isn't just for Israel, but you see this is also for others, because it even mentions strangers, that is, Gentiles, immigrants, foreigners that's living among them. By the way, this isn't just only, not only for human beings. This also is what? For animals, right? Ox, donkeys, right? Cats, gerbers, turtles, yellow canaries, and a porch and a pear tree, okay? You get that idea. Reason number one, God says it, okay? Reason number two is also found in this verse. It's actually for our refreshment. Did you catch the last part? May refresh themselves, okay? The reason why is also so we actually will be refreshed, okay? It is biblical to be what? Refresh, okay? It is biblical, okay? Um, we don't want to be a workaholic. There is a place for rest. So actually, you would be what? Even more productive, okay? You will be able to do your job well also as well, okay? By the way, even with industry, the more hours you work does not necessarily translate to more productivity. There's also eventually there's a curve point, yes? yes. Where beyond certain hours, you're no longer what? As able to be as strong mentally, okay, uh, capable-wise, okay. Um, I know this also when we were in the Marines, because sometimes in the Marines we make guys work crazy hours, right? I remember uh, when we were packing Ukraine, uh, we had to pack for the uh, Army unit that was with us. We were embarking for them, and then uh, there was only two embarkers. Uh, they moved me from radio operator to do that. But then for embark, we grabbed everyone to do work, right? And then we were working the guys out for 20 hours. We were packing for the Navy and all of that. Because uh, they were supporting units with us. 20 hours. And then four hours of sleep. And then what? Another 20 hours. How do you think the guys are in the second day? They're careless, right? They're now suddenly, guys are actually getting themselves hurt. Because they're not paying attention. Like the silliest things, right? I bring it up to say there's a point of uh, a breaking edge, okay? There's a breaking edge. So there's a place for refreshment, okay? Uh, with this. Do you see the importance of rest? Okay. And how you know you don't idolize work is, do you even in your life uh, even factor in the reality of rest? And by the way, uh, it, it is, uh, as we see, it is a command, okay? It's not just a suggestion. It is a command, okay? I also want to talk a little bit, in the time we have remaining, of talking about a biblical view of sleep, okay? Because some of us, when we think of rest, it's like, all oh, right, I get to do rock climbing. I get to stay up all night, you know, you know work hard, uh, play hard, right? And pray hard, hopefully, too, okay? But at the same time, I also want to talk about part of true rest also means thinking about sleep, okay? Thinking about sleep. Thinking about sleep. On the one hand, we have this warning in Proverbs 20, verse 13. Turn over here, Proverbs 13. We have, on this one hand, we have this warning that's very clear for Proverbs 20, verses 13. Proverbs 20, verse 13, it says, Do not love sleep, or you become poor. Open your eyes, and you'll be satisfied with food. By the way, if you look at this passage here, we often say, oh, you know, uh, uh, even later on in Proverbs 6, uh, in Proverbs 6 to 9, 11, it's even more explicit. You know, if you lie down sluggard, will you arise from your sleep? Little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding your hand, and your poverty will be upon you, right? You'll be a vagabond, as it says here, okay? Um, so there's an instance where Scripture says, hey, be careful, okay? Can we oversleep? Yes, okay? Uh, we could oversleep. But notice it's not sleeping itself is wrong. It's the love of sleep. And can I say this? It's love of sleep above God. I think the best way to think of it is, like you know how there's Bible verse? There's a Bible verse that says what? A love of money is the root of what? All, all, evil. Evil. all kinds of evil. Okay. It's not money is the root of all evil. Because you can use money for good. It's not money of itself. It's the love of what? 
money. And the love of money, when you love it as a master, when you love it above what? God. Does that make sense? I love money as a tool. Like all those analogies I mentioned earlier, right? Supporting someone in Timbuktu, Botswana, Bible translator in whatever country, right? Those are wonderful ways. But when you love that above God, as a master above God, okay? I think that's the best way to think about what it says, do not sleep here. It's not saying sleep is bad, okay? And you renounce sleep and you live your life like an ant. An ant will die in three months, but you will die shorter than that, okay? So here, you see in Proverbs 20, verse 13, it's the love of, in the sense of loving as a master. Like we brought up the love of money analogy, okay? But yet, on the other hand, Scripture also makes it very clear. Sleep is good. Turn with me to Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8, when we turn over there, uh, could I have uh, Hector read Psalm 4, verse 8 out loud? Yeah, so here we see, on the one hand, sleep is good, okay? In peace I will lie down, in sleep, for you alone, this is a man that's trusting in God. While he's sleeping. And obviously it shows sleep cannot be a bad thing. And there's other verses. But I want to show that sleep is important. So as application, even when you think about rest, think about the importance of sleep. Okay? You know what's my equivalent of a Friday night? <laughs> it's on a Sunday night. Because I come home, it's like, oh, well, I have two days before sermon preparation again for Lighthouse, right? So that's the night I think, wow, I get to read anything I want. This is where I get to read my World War II. I could be lost in midway in another world, okay? I could be reading all this, and I could be so consumed and just so excited. It's like, wow, now the night is young at one. I was like, wow, I could read. This is so much joy, okay? And you just smash books after books, okay? That's, that's that. But then I realized what? Hey, I need to sleep. That's going to impact my, what? The rest of the week, okay? If, if it's impacted, you know, and your body takes a few days sometimes from sleep deprivation. So I realize... Sometimes I, hey, when my body says I got to go to sleep, hey, I got to go to sleep, okay? But plan your sleep, okay? Plan your sleep. Make that a priority, okay? Make that a priority. By the way, sometimes I think that sleep is also God's way of also giving His grace. Could I say this? Uh, sometimes when I think about people's lives, yeah, I, I hurt as a pastor. And sometimes I think I don't know what else to do, but just only to pray. And I realize, you know what? Maybe it's just best. It's not productive anyway. It's, you know, our diminishing goods is returning, you know, it's getting lower. Why stay up late when there's nothing we could do? The person's asleep, or even if we talk, it's not productive, right? We're, we're all sleepy, and we're not in our best game uh, view. We're not the most considered, or we're not bigger picture thinking. So the best thing is what? God's common grace is sleep. And you sleep like a baby, trusting in God. Trusting in God and His goodness. And that's sometimes God's medicine, right? God's medicine, even... Even in psychology, secular psychology, I've also, even reading this, right? Sometimes the thing they say is, hey, for someone depressed, it's also good to try to get sleep as possible. Now, I know depression will impact this, but I think it's helpful to say, right? Even in God's common grace, by common grace means even non-believers benefit and believers. Sometimes the best thing you could do is just, what, realize, hey, this is the end of the day, and just to rest, Okay? Now, we could have another sermon about rest. It's the struggle of rest with that. Praying, I think, is help. Confessing sins help with getting rest. Confessing your inadequacy. Asking, crying out for help helps with that. But here, I think it's important to see we must make sleep a priority, okay? Uh, I always like evening devotional. I'm now a morning, morning devotional guy and an evening. 
Uh, I'm wired more towards the evening just because I'm an owl. One of the things I love about evening devotion, one thing I like about late night devotion, you know what it is, is after I'm done with reading my battle midway, after I'm done with reading about Chinese history, right? After I'm done with reading whatever else it is, I, oh, I gotta end with scripture. Because ending scripture, when you open the word, you reveal like, oh man, I was very sinful today. I could think of this, this, and this. Or I was not very careful. Or I, man, I made a joke that, and I looked back like, man, I think that was very unwise. Right? Like, I didn't mean to, but I realized, man, I, uh, I, where I messed up was I wasn't thinking. I could be more careful. Mm-hmm. You know, I could be more careful. So all this floods, the guilt. But then you take it to God to what? Pray. Lord God, I'm so sorry. Lord God, I, I wronged this person. Lord, I hope they'll be okay. I, I hope, not just they forgive me, but I hope they won't be affected in a negative, detrimental way in their walk with God. So go to God to pray, to confess, and then sleep like a what? Baby, okay? All of these points are important. A biblical work, view of work, and a biblical view of rest. And of course, the f- greatest rest, in finding rest, is not about what you do, okay? Rest is not even what you do. I think some people, rest means playing rugby, and they find rest. Some people's rest is going somewhere. But ultimately, the fi- greatest rest is a question about who. It's not a question about what. It's not a question of when or how much. It's not even a question uh, uh, of how. Ultimately, all of that is a question of who. Who do you find rest in? Matthew 18, 28-30 is where we end. We must ultimately find rest in Christ. Some of our work schedule might not allow us to go somewhere we really want to dream we could find rest. The Bahamas, Hawaii. Some of us uh, might not be able to say, oh man, I really need a lot more rest in terms of time and duration. But how do you find rest in an imperfect world still? Is, I think ultimately is in Christ. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You see that second time mentioned? For your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ultimately, the question of rest is about who. In your rest, do you go to God? Do you commune with Him? Don't see prayer and devotion as just, oh, I have to as a duty. But this is where you are generally going before Him to be refreshed. Could I just be more experiential here? I really do believe going to God, I feel my life is the greatest source of rest. You know what happens when I think of rest? Oh, I need to just only read a history book to find rest? There's not enough, what, time for me to read history book to find rest. You know what happens when I think I need to go to the mountains or the beach to find rest? Guess what? I need to do that more. I need to do it more. And it never fully satisfies that you do it more. I wish I had this more. But the only one that ever could truly satisfy rest in my own life is going to God, finding communion with Him. It actually renew my soul. It actually strengthens me. And actually put things in new horizon, a new perspective, and I feel spiritually and even physically rejuvenated. Find your ultimate rest by trusting in Christ and abiding and having communion with Him. Let's close in a word of prayer.